In the series of lectures on Baptist distinctives, <clears throat> and we do, <clears throat> we do uh, interrupt that study uh, often uh, with breaking bread or other things uh, that come along. We don't. I'm not reluctant to suspend our studies in this matter, for uh, especially for our younger believers. And uh, so we take it up when we can, and we're taking it back up today uh, just by way of a reintroduction, if you please. Uh, there has been a discussion, uh, <clears throat> Leah and uh, um, Brother John, and uh, some of us have been, uh, there was a discussion last week about the, the subject of how many Baptist distinctives there are. I don't remember. I could go back and first lecture and see whether or not I even spoke to that matter or not. Uh, I think I mentioned it for sure. Uh, but there is a controversy. The the standard, uh, I think the predominant view is that there are five Baptist distinctives. Some hold that there are seven and some that there are more. And it had, a lot has to do with uh, I think Leah said an expression she used, it depends on how you divide up some of these distinctives, uh, whether you see them as in one part or in two parts or or rather two separate distinctions. Uh, but I, I, I don't have any particular uh, point to to cast in the matter. I, I, I think five is is probably, the number that I would go with personally, and we shall see that as we develop these distinctives with you in this class. We've covered already uh, a couple. Number one we covered was, if you'll recall, was the matter that the Scripture is the only source for faith and practice. That is a very strong Baptist distinction. That, that the scriptures alone are the only source for faith and practice. And we spent a, a good few lectures uh, on that particular point, on that particular distinction. Then I think we went, secondly, uh, we had dealt with uh, the requirement for a regenerate church membership. And we spent a good deal of time on that subject as well. That, of course, put us in uh, direct contrast to our brethren who are pedo-baptist, uh, infant baptizers. We make, we hold ourselves uh, quite apart from that view and hold to the biblical view that church membership is is and only should ever be those who have uh, made a credible profession of faith in Christ and, uh, and are therefore regenerate church members as best we can know that. <clears throat> as best we can know that. So then we, I, I, I got, uh, uh, my brethren, my brethren, 
John and, and uh, Luke to, to bring some lectures. And this is one of those places where you, you can uh, discuss whether or not there is a, a separate distinctive or a division. Uh, one might say that the, the number three that we've already talked about is that the baptism of believers only and that mode John talked to us about in the last lecture, the use of that word mode, uh, if, if we may use that, uh, whether or not that is a separate distinction or whether that comes under the matter of regenerate church membership. So this, the baptism of believers only and uh, and the, the method by which we practice and execute that baptism, some may say those are separate distinctives. I don't personally see that, but it's it's uh it's it is a view that's held. So that that's why it's subjects like that is why you can find different people saying there are different numbers of of distinctives. But now we take up another very important, broad, and lengthy subject. And that is the subject of the Lord's Supper, communion, if you want to call it that, breaking of bread. That's what it was called in Ireland and England when we were living there. The church is there. It's common terminology among the saints there. They only ever talk about breaking bread. They don't use the term Lord's Supper. They don't use the term communion. It's always breaking of bread. And uh, so that would be number three or number four, depending on how you divided the other up. But I, I'm not so much concerned with the numbers as I am uh, the subject and the teacher. So, however, it is for sure uh, that uh, we have some very strong distinctions. There's a lot to be said, and we will say in the days ahead. I may call on my brothers again to help me with certain aspects of this, because there's a lot to be said about this particular ordinance. While we do not claim, as Baptists, we do not claim that this ordinance is not also observed by other denominations. We're not saying they do not. We're not saying we're the only ones that do this. We're not saying that. We do claim that our Baptist teaching on the matter is unique and therefore a distinctive, if you please, as we shall see over the next few weeks. Uh, a Baptist distinctive, I say, in the way we practice and administer it. For one thing, right on the surface of the subject, uh, we call it an ordinance. 
We do not call it a sacrament. Because if you'll look up that word, a sacrament by definition, although I'm not in this lecture intending to give you a, a specific and technical definition of the word, but certainly it involves, it, it, it indicates that a, the doing of a thing will impart grace. That it actually, uh, extends grace. We do not believe that the doing of the thing has any divine power to transmit something. We observe it as an ordinance. Now, of course, the observation of it, the observing of it, if our hearts are right and we're in communion with the Lord of the table, that, of course, does uh, transmit grace to us. But it is he who transmits grace to us by the observance of it in our hearts by faith. Not that the thing itself is able to convey grace. There is nothing magical in the elements. There is nothing divine in the elements. But, of course, in the observation of that ordinance. So I, I'm willing to say that the Lord's Supper, uh, breaking bread, as the Baptists observe it, is, is a distinctive for us. Uh, our pedo-Baptist brethren hopelessly and indefensibly uh, would say otherwise, but some of them are hypocritical, and Luke would be uh, uh, much more capable than myself to touch on this subject, and that is uh, pedo-communion. To be consistent, if you are a pedo-baptist, uh, you're forced to also practice pedo-communion, which most... <laughs> Pedo Baptists don't practice that. So there's a huge element of hypocrisy and, and inconsistency and confusion, frankly, over the matter of whether or not infant or children should be allowed to partake uh, of the Lord's Supper. Again, if you're Pedo Baptist, seem to be forced to that position. Luke uh, had a, spent a good deal of time looking into that subject and dealing with it because of a personal friend he had who, who was in the midst of, of that controversy and his church finally settled, that, that other fellow's church finally settled on it. And maybe Luke could share with us at some point uh, the ins and outs of how that whole discussion is carried on. Uh, it's certainly of interest, and it has affected churches down through time. Uh, I don't intend to take it up. I'm not that familiar with it, uh, just the overview of it, but uh, maybe we'll get Luke to talk to us about that sometime. Now, so we want to take up this subject of, of uh, the breaking of bread, the communion, the as I grew up in a Southern Baptist church, it was all this table up front was always called called the communion table. 
if you were out in the community or anywhere and somebody used that term, the communion table, you knew exactly what they were talking about. They were talking about that table in the front of the church. Most all of them had engraved or carving in the front of it the words of our Lord, this do in remembrance of me. And uh, that was, a, so the term, I grew up with the terminology communion. Uh, and was, that was, that was what I was taught and that's what I was familiar with. But the Lord's Supper, communion, and breaking of bread is such a big, it's such a big subject, uh, that, uh, you know, we're gonna, we'll, of course, have to spend some time in it. But I would like to start start out by just giving you some general, uh, very general discussion uh, teachings regarding the breaking of bread. Crowell has a very, uh, I think, brief uh, sort of succinct uh, treatments of it in his book on page 164. Crowell's book, The Church Member's Manual. He starts off by, with his discussion of the thing, by discussing its nature, the nature of it. He says, this ordinance is instituted by the Lord Jesus in person when the event which it was to commemorate was yet future. Like baptism, now this is where he's tying it to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Brother John did an excellent job for us in the last lecture, helping us to see the baptism of John and that it was not unlike the baptism of the apostles and the subsequent church. So he tied all that together for us in that lecture. But Crowell goes on and says, like baptism, it's significance was for a time prospective and prophetic. The following are all the passages which give an account of its origin. From these we learn, number one, that the broken bread is the emblem of the Savior's body broken on the cross for sinners and the wine is the emblem of his shed blood. Number two, we learned that the eating of the one and the drinking of the other are essential to this ordinance. It's no good just to look at them and talk about them. We have to partake of them. Number three, that this is a representation of the death of Christ for his people. So we don't hold to uh, transubstantiation. We don't believe that the bread becomes the body of Christ. The wine becomes the blood of Christ. We, we see these things as being entirely representative in nature. Number four, that the partaking is an expression of faith in Christ as the Savior, who by his blood has made atonement for sinners. So by partaking in it, you are publicly expressing that you are one of those who has in fact partaken in Christ. Which is a huge problem for uh, those who hold a paedo communion. (laughs) 
Number five, it is in its nature, it is that it, it is a token of assent to the new covenant. You're not just doing this as a religious individual to be religious. You are confirming by this action that you are or believe yourself to be a partaker in the new covenant. And number six, that all Christians, the nature of this thing is that all Christians are under obligation to observe it. Uh, I don't remember the specifications. I'm sure Brother John could tell me what it is, but we, we have as part of our constitution, part of our, uh, uh our study, our, our, sorry, our statements, uh, a church covenant, part of our church covenant. That a person missing, whatever the number is, I think it's three, is it? Uh, communions consecutively is subject to the discipline of the church. That, that is in there because of our belief, this belief, that all Christians are under obligation. This is not an option. This is not just optional, something the Lord said, oh, like, you know, if you want to get the extra special package, you can partake of the supper. No, this is obligatory on every believer. We believe that as Baptists. And therefore, we we have an interest in knowing that our people are doing it. And if not, if they're not doing it, we have an interest in knowing why they're not doing it. And uh, so that was number six. The, 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 the nature of this thing is that all Christians are under obligation to observe it. Number seven, that it is a standing perpetual ordinance to the end of the world. It will not be done away. It doesn't go away. It stands and it will stand until our Lord returns. Now, obviously, when he returns, when we're in his presence, we'll have no need of this. Why? Because the very nature of it, he described this do in remembrance of me. There will be no need to constantly reinforce our memory of him when we're in his presence. <clears throat> like baptism, he says, it teaches by expressive symbols. The communicant declares his entire reliance for salvation on the atonement of Christ and his sole dependence on him for the support of spiritual life as natural life is sustained by food and drink. So the symbolism take, picks up off of the natural life, and just as we need food and drink to maintain natural life, this these emblems indicate the spiritual life is maintained by partaking in the blood and body of, of Christ and his atonement. Then he says, it is a spiritual feast at which the Savior is present as the head of his spiritual 
family. It's a spiritual feast. And uh, this will be an interesting thing. Maybe, Brother John, you can think about how you might could bring this discussion to us. I I've been reading, my wife discovered this book by Adolphe Monod. Uh, and they are a series of sermons he preached every Sabbath day for the last six months of his life from his deathbed. A few of the congregant, a few at a time, not always the same people, not always many, but a few at a time were brought into his bedroom on the Lord's Day morning and they, he brought a brief word to them from the scriptures and they broke bread. And uh, when you read it, at least in the English translation, John has the French, and he can read the original. I can only read the English. But in the English translation, I'm often stricken by how that sometimes, maybe it's just the translation, it seems he almost blurs the line between this being symbolic and it having actual spiritual effect. I'm not real sure how to read that in Monod's writing, but one thing is for sure it, it is if it is taken rightly there is great spiritual benefit. And I say that emphatically. If it is taken rightly there is great spiritual benefit. But it is spiritual. The feast itself is spiritual. The physical elements do not contain any divine properties. So, uh, uh, Crowell says, it is a spiritual feast at which the Savior is present as the head of his spiritual family. Though through it, he assures each member of his condescending love. The sincere communicant honors the Savior's cross and testifies that the blood which he spilt thereon is the only source of his peace, hope, and joy. The Savior assures him of pardon and eternal life through the efficacy of his Sacrifice. So it's purely spiritual, it's purely symbolical, but it is indeed real. The spiritual benefit is real when it is taken properly. Uh, one of the things we, I have to be careful about as in leading you in breaking of bread and you have to be careful about in taking it, is that you are not simply exercising some form, that you're just fulfilling some obligation of a form, but that you are in fact communing with the Savior. And of course the preparation to that is the confession of your sin. 
come to this table with sin, then it, it will have no benefit to you at all. It, it, it is only for those who have come penitent, come sincere, and seek to meet with their Lord at that table. It is a spiritual feast, Crowell said. It is a spiritual feast at which the Savior is present. And that's about as, that is about as clear and graphic a description as I could ever find for the matter as to its nature. All right. So we've kind of brought you back up to date, back up to speed where we are in this whole subject, the class itself of Baptist distinctives. And then now diving into, uh, this particular distinctive of the Lord's Supper as we as Baptists observe it. Okay? And now Crawl has given us the nature of it. We'll stop there. Already, I am sure, some of the things I have said may have raised questions. And certainly those questions will be entertained as we move along uh, we want to be sure that we entertain and answer every question. Uh, but some of your questions in your mind may be answered yet intentionally uh, by future lectures. Uh, so you might want to sit tight on some of them, uh, but uh, don't hesitate to ask, and I'll see to it that some of these brethren answer for you. <laughs> All right, so we'll cut it off there as far as our studies. Do we have any questions or discussions thus far? As I say, uh, I think uh, I think maybe Luke could, I would like for Luke to give you not a whole lecture, just, just five, ten minutes maybe along the way about this whole problem with pedo-baptism and the practice of, of pedo-communion. Uh, for some of our pedo Baptist brethren, that's that's a huge problem. It's not for us at all because we have a regenerate church membership. Uh, but it is it is for some, and it's an interesting discussion. Or maybe Luke could uh, give us just a, a very brief overview of that uh, at a, at another time. Okay. Other than that, is there any questions or discussions? You are not incorrect in your assessment of the English translation of Pastor Monod's expressions on the subject of the Lord's table. It does come across quite well in French also. But I would say observing that, but that is quite consistent with the general reform position as expressed in their doctrinal statements. Westminster, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Boy, and others in their statements regarding the supper itself. Uh, they, they move at times perilously close almost 
to uh, a Roman Catholic expression. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. of, of That's what I saw. Their, their sense of it. Now, now, they would they would hold that tension probably better than people would, uh, looking at that from from the outside. But still, in all, their 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 statements on it do at at a at just a cursory reading seem to suggest more than just representation. Yes, uh, uh, or commemoration. Commemoration. Yeah. Uh, even men who swung further to the the other side of that question than others, such as Winkler, still. Ultimately, came back to this standard form position that there's something more there. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And, and, it's, and it's difficult to parse that out. It is, uh, it is. especially for Baptists to, to attempt to get in your own mind how that distinguishes itself from a, a fully Roman Catholic. Yes, yes. And the and the the thing that. Uh, that I found was in his writing is there are places and times where he definitively declares this is a spiritual function and that it is representative. He says that. He doesn't hint at it. He says it. But then he goes over and makes other statements that, as you say, are dangerously close to Romanism and you just scratch your head. You can't quite work out how, how do they... But, but there it is. It, it's right. John's right. It, it is not... What Monod is saying in his book is not unlike those who who held the Reformed tradition. It's it's pretty much a a common thought. And by the way, I want to encourage everyone to get a copy of this book. Uh, It is not about communion. The book is not about communion. The reason the subject of communion often comes up is that you've got to get the picture in your mind. This man is laying on a bed. Dying week by week for six months, congregants are coming in and he's delivering to them as best he can in the weakness of his flesh some word from the Lord, very brief, very short, and then they break bread. So because bread break, breaking bread is happening there every time, uh, it unavoidably from time to time he says something about it. But the book itself is not about breaking bread or communion. It's 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 about it's his heart trying to continue to deliver ministry to his congregation while he's dying. I've never seen anything quite like it. I've never seen anything quite like it. I'm astounded every time I pick it up. And uh, I, I would encourage you, the, the, the way, for those who suffer, those of you who are suffering, because this man was suffering, literally, and he died, he delivered his last message, and died, uh, and died before the next week. So he, <laughs> it, it is an astounding thing to get your head around what, what you're reading. But the word, as you might imagine, a man who is literally with one foot already in the river, his words are powerful. They are 
eminently spiritual and uh, tremendous for any of you who have suffering. He was suffering and speaking from his sufferings. And uh, it's a great, great, great work. Uh, I'm so grateful to, to be able to have it in my language, although the book itself is very hard to find. Uh, we had no trouble finding it in French, but then John was the only one to read it. So, <laughs> so we got that for him. But what is what is the title of the book? Uh, does it have a title actually? Well, the French is which is the guy in the text and devised. Yeah. Uh, uh, farewells. Farewell sermons. That's what it's called. Farewell sermons. Yeah, it's a do in in French. Uh, wow, what a thing. What an amazing thing. Quite a quite kind of French, which literally translated from French means to God. Commending you to God. Yeah, to God, no, yeah. No, no better title could have been given to the book. Man party. This, this uh, series of uh, messages from the heart commending his parishioners to God's care keeps the Yeah, yeah. John's, we had kind of an alternative motive in getting John that book. His had a photograph, an actual print of a picture of him there in his bed. And it is quite an image, one of the most powerful images I've ever seen. The printed English copy didn't have that. So, with his copy, we were able to get a copy of the picture and put it in my book. <laughs> and that's uh, very blessed. <laughs> I read, uh, I try to read, I read one of his messages before I came to church this morning. Uh, I read them sometimes morning and night. But uh, I realized that he preached right through the month of December. And my birthday's in December. So just as a curiosity thing, because I'm like that, I thought, I wonder if he preached on my birthday or so what? And then I couldn't, he didn't. He preached on the 20, my birthday's the 20th. He preached on the 23rd and then whatever, seven days prior to that. So the message prior to that was, I forget on what subject, but the one nearest my birthday was only three days off. And would you believe, in the providence of God, he preached on the cross. <laughs> and that was a blessing to me, to think that he preached on December the 23rd. The closest sermon he brought to my birthday was on the cross. And I thought, how absolutely perfectly fitting is that? Because that is my my favorite theme, is the cross. So anyway, uh, if you can get the book, you'll certainly appreciate it and learn a lot from it.